Hey, this party is lit. Yeah, man. I don't even care there's a virus going on. This is awesome. Hey, we actually probably should be social distancing and wearing masks. You know, black people are actually being killed disproportionately by the virus. Bro, I heard that we can't even get it. I wish somebody would spit in my mouth right now. I am feeling crazy. <laughs> oh, my bad. I didn't see you standing right now. Virus or no virus, I am just happy I am hanging out with people. I hate being alone. Amen, amen. I am serious. We as a people are dying. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. We are being lynched. It's going viral. They have us on TV in the worst way. The worst way, man. Whenever we die, whenever our lives are put in question, they find some way to link us to the ghetto. Yes, sir. They take away our humanity. TV and movies, they perpetuate it. We are spiraling further and further from the truth of our ancestry. Hey, these are straight facts. I'm tired of being a target. Tired of my brothers and sisters being displayed for the world like some prize trophy. Our heads on the walls of some white man's foyer. Hey, what's a foyer? <coughs> we have to step up and show them that our drama, our comedy, our entertainment is not entangled in the brutality of our victimization. Uh, and this is how I feel for the Jewish people too. What? We are failing our brothers of oppression as well. We cannot claim to be making progress if we do not stand in solidarity as anti-Semitism flares up once again in this country. Hey, you want a drink? I'm uh, about to go grab a beer. We have to put pressure on the world to also stop the demonization of the Jewish people! No more can we allow media corporations to skate over their criticism of anti-Semitism simply because they are spoken by an African-American man. Okay, cool. That is why I brought this copy of Shoah. Nigga, this is a party. Do not use that demonstrative word, my brother. This is a documentary. The most necessary and urgent of the harshest of realities. We, tonight, need to gather around as a people and begin our education. Hold up, let me see that thing. Man, this is not Shoah. Hey, what, what are y'all weirdos doing over there in the corner? This is a party. Can you please socialize? Hold up, what are y'all, what's that, a DVD? It certainly is Shoah, it's from my own personal library. Nah, man, look. Don't be a menace? To South Central while drinking your juice in the hood? Hey, that's my shit! No. No, this can't be. Hey, yo, Trey. We watch a Don't Be a Menace tonight! This movie is harmful to the image of the African-American man! The Waynes brothers attempt to call out filmic stereotyping, but actually- My brothers, please! Stop this madness! Hey, yo, turn that volume yeah, up. Yeah, Man, I love the Wayne's brothers. It's time for a cinematic adventure. Everybody's a target. No, I ain't like that. No. I've... I've failed. I am sorry, Malcolm. I'm sorry, Martin. Forgive me. Forgive... us. For me? Yeah. Make a wish.
Hey, Addison. Hey, Josh. How's it going? Oh, it's all right. Just uh, thinking about the world today. What are you thinking about about specifically? Well, I am thinking about um, how apparently every Jew in the world is out to get me. Yeah, that's a fact. That's true. What else? That's pretty much occupying my entire Mm. um, psyche. So, um, have have you talked to Nick at all? To Nick? Yeah. Oh. Like, like are you still going to be writing for him, or? Yeah. Well, we got to... We're working on a new job. You are? Okay. Because, yeah, yeah I, I heard he got dropped by a bunch of sponsors and stuff like that, so I was wondering how that affected your bottom line. Okay, on a real note, <laughs> Nick Cannon is, like... <laughs> I think Nick Cannon is tweeting, like, last night he was tweeting, like, goodbye world. Like, he's, like, signing off to, like, either Twitter or just his life. So I think we should probably keep an eye on him for a little bit. You think there's a chance he might uh, Epstein himself? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, a Viacom CEO is going to come into his room and murder him. (laughs) But we'll find find him with a bed sheet wrapped around his neck. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, Nick Cannon's doing, he's doing perfectly fine. It is, it is weird. I was, I was watching some video stuff. I know this has nothing to do with the movie that we're going to watch, but, um, I was watching, uh, about Khalid Muhammad, who is a of course. black, yeah, yeah, well, he's a Black Panther Party member, and he's a member of the Nation of Islam, but in the 90s, in the 80s, he was, like, just ramping up this, uh, uh, anti-Semitic speech and was getting like just tons of people like he went he went and spoke at uh, Howard University to like a sold-out crowd and people were cheering him on and he was you know just like this leader of he's basically like a black Hitler like are you sure you're not argument... talking about Farrakhan no 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 Farrakhan denounced him from the nation of Islam because he was so like uh, inflammatory like he wow. was so he had such hateful speech. He had, he had a speech or a march in like ninety eight or ninety nine, and it was through New York, and it was supposed to be the million million youth march, but it was only like six thousand people, but it like caused like a riot, and he like encouraged everyone to go attack the police and, uh, you know, try to destroy neighborhoods and stuff. It was it was pretty wild. But thank um, God, such radical ideas would never take hold in a america yeah and i'm pretty like uneducated on the tension between black people and jewish people i know it exists but i'm not as steeped in the history of it or at least like the legitimacy of like how deep it spreads throughout like black culture but the khalid muhammad stuff really made me kind of open my eyes up to like if people aren't hateful towards jewish people there's like this like this simmering disdain for white people and then the extension of Jewish people who are stereotypically like controlling media and different aspects of society. Well, sure. Sure. I mean, you have the Mel Gibson shit that happened in like the two thousands where, where he got arrested on a DUI and was like ranting about how the Jews control Hollywood. Did he do that? You Are you, are you joking? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry. I'm, being, I'm just, I'm being dick. you know, um, well, he's back in the news. He's got 18 movies this year, and 
no one's batting an eye. They're like, yeah, whatever. Give him more movies. He's not backing up. He's not saying, like, I'm so sorry for my, my hateful ways. He's, He's like, I like, am so sorry that the Jews run Hollywood. and <laughs> I'm so sorry that I got drunk and exposed the Jews. <laughs> oh shit so yeah so yeah there's this um this kind of like troubling resurgence of anti-semitism that never really went away but i think in the midst of like the black lives matter movement is like kind of rearing its little ugly head and people are saying whoa how are we going to tackle both issues if kind of not the center of the issue of anti-semitism but like there is like this kind of unchecked racism or bigotry towards jewish people from black people like prominent black people um i think that's a really really problematic quandary for i guess activism in general but that's all i wanted to say that's what that skit was about i I made that skit like a week and a half ago wow yeah because of uh stephen jackson um who he was the he's an nba player but he was like a prominent black lives matter uh activists because he was the he was like really good friends with george floyd but he's also an nba player so he just like kind of took up this movement and was like he's been very vocal the past few months and then now he's doubling down on some anti-semitic stuff um that was made by another athlete and so that was a controversy and everyone's like what the fuck is going on you're like you know everyone's like has so much respect for you and now you're you know pulling this shit and he since apologized, but I don't know, man. It's like there's just—it's kind of just opening up like this reality that a lot of people are have these views held close to them. Yeah, I mean, you know, anti-Semitism is is a real thing. It's been a real thing. You could say of, that black people and and Jewish people are among the most persecuted groups of people historically speaking, um, and so you know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost. Uh, I don't know if this is going to come off sounding really bad, but you know, it's a, it's a common tactic of um, corrupt leadership to pit people against each other. Specifically, if you're pitting them against each other ideologically, i.e., conservative, liberal, or some other ideological divide. Um, so right. you could argue that it's just another tactic that's meant to distract us from what's really going on, which is the uber rich eating up the whole fucking world yeah but i mean a, a lot of these people coming out and saying these things are uber rich like nick cannon is crazy rich yeah he is but he's not like he's not like a member of the shadowy elite or anything like that no it's because his jokes are bad if he had good jokes <laughs> his jokes are so bad i think i think if he had better jokes he wouldn't get fired from viacom probably not probably not um okay well that's enough about that um you want to watch a movie? No, we already watched this movie. Oh, you're right. You're right. I forgot. This is a historical movie. This is a historical movie, I feel. What's the movie, Addison? Can it, you introduce us to it? It's called Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood or something like that. Something very <laughs> something, similar. So close. <laughs> it's uh, directed by Paris Barclay. Mm-hmm. Um and Classic basically, cinematic director. <laughs> this was uh, his first, I think, film and one of his only films. He's a huge TV director, mm-hmm. uh, but you know he he worked, I think, uh, with with the Wayans on In Living Color. 
And that's kind of how he got tapped to uh, direct this one. And then it was written by the Wayans. Um, just just real quick. He did uh, The Cherokee Kid with Sinbad the same year, which I didn't realize. Wow. It was a prolific um, year for him. Which is a, which is one of the best Westerns of all time. Up there with like Stagecoach <laughs> and uh, The Searchers, all that. Oh, yeah. I heard there was a lot of Ford influence that he brought a lot of, of that <laughs> to yeah. The Cherokee Kid. Uh, and that Sinbad really channeled like the desperation of the, I don't know, the disillusioned soldier, you know, like the, the out of place, uh, he was, he was a boomer, but from the 1800s. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Um, they wrote this movie and, and Paris Barclay directed it. It was around the time they were doing in living color. Um, and I think you can see a lot of that sketch show influence on the movie because it lacks anything even close to resembling a coherent plot and just kind of drifts from skit to skit with like just the most basic structure to it, which is basically uh, Sean Wayne's character, Ashtray, mm-hmm. Trey for short, you know, coming to live with his cousin. Um, and, and that's basically the only story in the movie um i think that there is some absolutely hysterical stuff in this movie that still holds up um not dissimilar from most other wayne's brothers projects there's stuff in it that definitely does not hold up either because it's a a dated reference that no one now would get or it's just a little tasteless shall we say a little tasteless yeah just that's a that's a nice way of putting it (laughs) Um, but you know, I've, I've loved this movie for a long time. Um, I certainly was watching it maybe through a different lens this time, but I've, I've always found this movie to be pretty goddamn entertaining. I gotta say, how about you? I, um, I've been watching this movie for a long time, so it was nice to, this is actually two years after In Living Color was canceled. Um, Oh, really? Okay. There's like this weird hiatus of, I don't know like what the history of, I looked up a lot of stuff. I couldn't find the real history of making In Living Color. Like, I couldn't find, the, like, the impetus of, like, we want to just do a sketch show, but in the form of a movie. Um, I think it was just the, the style of writing that they were used to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just, like, this is a good formula, and, you know, like, we can just make fun of all these movies. I was watching, uh, like, Boys in the Hood and... Uh, juice and fresh uh, alongside this movie. So, like at the same time I was discovering those movies, I was discovering Don't Be a Menace. I see. So, so, so it wasn't like you know a lot of people say this movie is based is like you kind of need to know those movies in order to, uh, I guess, get the humor. But I don't know. I think that this movie kind of is just humorous in itself. And then I think as I got older, and you know the past few years that I've watched this the humor sits a little more like acutely onto these movies. But growing up, I was just like, this is, these guys are just being silly. They're funny. And, um, you know, I'll suck your dick. Like classic. (laughs) I got these cheeseburgers, man. Um, so I do. Yeah. So I was curious, I was curious, you know, whether you had seen all the movies I've seen, um, boys in the hood. I've seen menace to society and juice. I think that's the only 
the only three of the probably five or six movies that this references pretty extensively. There's there's South Central and then Poetic Justice also and Fresh. Yep. Um, so I don't think that you need to have seen those movies to enjoy this. I, I think it helps. Um, uh-huh. It certainly gives you maybe like a, a better understanding of what they're doing. And in a movie that's already kind of chaotic and difficult to follow, you know, maybe that that sort of insider knowledge makes the movie more digestible. Uh, but I mean, we're still talking about, you know, pretty basic dick and shit and gay and racist jokes, you know, I mean, like the, well, the material is not elevated. It's not like, yeah. uh, you know, something you're going to have trouble understanding if you don't have a, a source. So we're going to talk about our other movie, um, scary movie, which is, I think what you just described, uh, to the nth degree, it is, the kind of uh, culmination of all the homophobic um, low bar jokes, racist jokes, and you know fat shaming jokes, all those things, which were huge in the '90s. The '90s was oh, yeah. what people may may horrible. forget about the '90s is that the '90s did suck. It was like it was all about pushing the envelope. It was all about like extreme sports and like yeah, but it's also about like uh, humor at the expense of others. Oh, yeah, big time. You know, like, if you can make fun of somebody in a targeted way, you know, it doesn't matter, like, how that affects the the person you're targeting as long as other people are laughing at it. Right, no, there's a reason why I am the way that I am, and it's because I I grew up in the 90s, you know? You're constantly making racist jokes at me. You just text me (laughs) at 3 in the morning. You have no father. It's like, whoa. Whoa. Hey, have you seen my wallet? I can't find it. (laughs) Uh, anyways, back on track. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Scary Movie 2. I felt like it was kind of necessary. No, just Scary Movie 1. I felt like it was necessary to discuss that movie um, in addition to this because it kind of occupies like a bigger picture in my mind where the Waynes Mm -hmm. brothers were kind of like a, a certain standard for sure as far as comedy was concerned. Like they were held in really high regard. Uh, between Don't Be a Menace and Scary Movie. Both of those movies were extremely well-received. Um, well, Don't Be a Menace, not so much critically, <laughs> but commercially and by its audience was well-received. Scary oh, Movie yeah. was a huge hit, spawned a huge franchise, which then spidered off into many other different terrible fucking movies, um, aside from the awful movies that the Waynes brothers started making in the you know early 2000s afterward, uh, like White Chicks and... Little man and <laughs> shit like oh, that. Oh, little man! Oh, I remember watching that, thinking like, "This is it. This is the end of the Wayne's brothers." And I was like in middle school, I think, and I was still recognized like this is a bad movie. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I I just um, I think these occupy like a sort of interesting time in history, in the history of comedy, in the history of movies, and blah blah blah. So, I just wanted to talk about the legacy. Of, of the Waynes brothers. It's interesting that it's Marlon Waynes and Sean Waynes are the quintessential Wayne brothers. Uh, yeah, they're who really, you think of right off the bat. I mean, you've got Damon, though. I loved Major Payne. Major Payne's great. Uh, what was it? Uh, all my No, not All My Children. Um, what was his, what was his uh, sitcom that he got in the early 2000s? You're oh, asking the wrong feller. God. Oh, God. Anyways... Keenan Ivory Wayne's is kind of the the brainchild 
of of the whole Wayne's operation and kind well, of the the genius behind everything. Yeah, he certainly I think is the most technically capable and seems to you know he he operates at the higher level a lot of times. He helps with writing, but he does directing. He does producing. He handles He's definitely a producer. Yeah, yeah, handles the the bigger picture stuff. Uh, and and he was also the first one of them to get famous really with uh, I'm gonna get you sucker. Um, the black exploitation parody that he released i think that was late 80s um that uh while while not completely similar definitely had a a a pretty close approach to don't be a menace and scary movie Mm -hmm. and like a, a like everything and the kitchen sink approach to parody and satire you know which goes all the way back to airplane and and the zuckers and all that stuff and hot shots and all that yeah um so i'm gonna date myself or age myself but i was two years old when don't be a menace came out uh but from what i can gather the waynes brothers were at like not quite peak uh celebrity but they were they have kind of moved past being an unknown duo or an unknown group to being like relatively known and known as funny and known to be able to make money like the in living color proved that you can have these edgy black comedians like bring in other audiences not just black people but other people in general and i think don't be a menace is kind of just the box office numbers like the huge bump that they got i guess they were like number two in the first week but they were just a huge success and i don't know i'm trying to make a point that they were kind of this is the movie like scary movie seems more of a, a bigger hit but like this is a movie that kind of solidified them as like a product yes that they can they can be going forward it, it basically what like is what created the name the wayans brothers like yeah. like in living color helped to establish it but don't be a menace cemented it as like a thing oh the wayans brothers i know the wayans brothers yeah. um so anyways yeah let's let's finally talk about this movie so um you had sent me the review that Roger Ebert wrote about it that I, I, I thought to be like pretty interesting where, you know, he, he basically made the point of like, this movie is parroting good movies that have good messages and seems to maybe be trivializing those messages um, in the process. And he didn't think that maybe that was the right thing to be happening in the, you know, early nineties when, not too dissimilar from what's going on right now. There was a ton of racial strife in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, he th- made the argument that, like, you know, we shouldn't be making fun of uh, black people dying by drugs and violence or guns. Right, or, that's kind of that's the reality already. I mean, you have Rodney's ride, you know, in the movie. The... <laughs> Rodney's ride. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh man, that Where... was that. That's like so just like fucking like i don't know there's a lot of energy behind that there's i don't know if it's necessarily as funny as it is like really really dark yeah no it's it's pretty dark and i think a lot of the humor in this is really dark and so what i was what i was getting to is that roger ebert basically made the point of like this if 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 you already have stereotypes or hold stereotypes and have bad opinions of black people as a white person and you go watch this movie all it's going to do is edify those yeah. feelings and while I do think that there is a grain of truth to be said to that, I, I think that this movie was made very much with the white gaze, shall we say, in mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I think you can watch it in multiple ways. I think you can watch it purely as like a, a parody version of uh, Menace to Society. Or uh, I think it's more close to Boys in the Hood. Yeah, that's, the, that's the plot line that goes yeah. through. Um, you can watch it as just like a, a silly parody of that. Or you can watch it as like, no, there actually, there's some real criticism to be had for those movies and what they represent. And how they are kind of like the white gaze. Like those movies are made for white people. Yeah. And I guess this movie is made for white people saying like, who have the uh, idea that those movies are quintessential like black positivity. They are the the movies that idealize a, a better like black society, or that that they like perfectly distill or represent the black experience, which they just don't. It's impossible for one movie about you know five people to fully encompass an entire right. community's experience and perspective. Um, and and it too, I think, can can go a long ways towards confirming stereotypes that people might have because. Mm-hmm. A lot of those movies are focused primarily on, um, you know, teen pregnancies and and gang violence and all these all these things that are often held up, you know, as as like um, sort of racist ideals, you know. Yeah. So, like, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think Don't Be a Menace is a direct address to like people like Roger Ebert, who's saying, you know, these movies are, are an interesting or like, a, I don't know, I guess a positive reflection there's just like this weird twist on those movies. Those, uh, what would you call them? What would you call like Don't Be a Menace and uh, Boys in the Hood? Or not Don't Be a Menace, Boys in the Hood, South Central. Like those are, what kind of movies would those be classified as? Just, I like, don't know hood, that there's hood, ever been like movies? a, yeah, I guess hood movie would be the way that I would describe it. Yeah. That sounds very white. It does. Those, those hood movies. Those Those hood films. But I mean, even looking like black people, like looking back, today really value those movies like highly yeah like those they're those still just, classics yeah people don't look at those movies and say ah oh, that's so that's absolutely made by white people like they have no idea what they're talking about there's still some reverence to it um so i guess there's like there's just i, I think that the waynes brothers just have a particular view of the harm of those movies or just kind of like the the phoniness the goofiness of like this is what being black is all about right Right, at which they they make a you know they put a very fine point on with Keenan Ivory Wayans' appearances in the movie <laughs> where he just shows up for a minute to be like message, message. You know, anytime like Sean Wayans has a thoughtful voiceover about what it means to be black and growing up in the hood and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um. So no, so I, the, I the opening of the movie too is like it's like the the guys talking directly to the camera, talking about like yo this is what it's like to be black in the hood. <laughs> And then they get gunned down, and it's like, no, this is what's like to be black in the hood. Gets gunned down. Uh, I think those. That's the you know immediately the movie saying like, this is bullshit. Well, so yeah, so I do think that this movie was was made uh, thoughtfully. Um, I I don't think it you know hits the mark completely. Certainly, uh, on many different uh, levels, but um, but I, I do think that it's it's better than Roger Ebert gave it credit for. Um and and I I think it's fucking hilarious in parts too. Like there's so many memorable lines. Like one of my favorite fucking lines in a movie ever is you ever seen the soap bubbles drip down the crack of a man's ass? 
<laughs> that shit's hilarious. Uh, don't yeah. ask. Uh, no questions. <laughs> why? Why the preacher gotta have a nice car? Uh, don't <laughs> ask. <laughs> um, and that's like I I particularly love that scene because that's that's a skewering of, um, you know, uh, black religious tendencies. Um, you know that that is a, I think a, a critique on on the importance of the church and the giving to the church in black culture. That's something that maybe would be lost on a white audience, though, who hasn't done any sort of examining or or made any attempts to understand the black community. Uh-huh. They'll just think like, oh, that's kind of funny, huh? Look, the grandma's breakdancing. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> right. Um, it can it can work on the both levels. It can you can see the criticism of uh, like, I guess that would probably be like Baptist or Baptist church or religion. Yeah. Um, exploiting black communities and also like. Oh, what a classic, stupid, old person dancing! But it's clearly a grown man in a <laughs> in a wig. How silly! Oh man, men in women's clothing were were the height you. of comedy in the nineties. Oh yeah, absolutely, big time. Um, and then the other scene that I think that holds a lot of like hidden weight to it, but is also very very funny, is Bernie Mac's scene. Oh uh, God, the that's the. I when I heard that I just like kind of lost my mind. I forgot that that was in the movie. It's it's brilliant. Like I don't like I don't like black keys on pianos. If we didn't do the skit, I would have said like let's put that as the as the opening. We didn't even do nothing. What you think you do? You look so tough now, little nigga. Hate you black bastards. You stink. I hate your black skin. I hate your black pants. I hate black pepper. I hate black keys on the piano. I hate my gums, cause they black. I hate Whoopi Goldberg's lips. I hate the back of Forrest Whitaker's neck. <laughs> and most of all, I hate that black ass Wesley Snipes. It's brilliant, and then the 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 joke that caps the scene off too, which is like we were arrested for being black on a Friday night, which is a misdemeanor. <laughs> Such an incredible, like almost word for word line from like one of those movies, or just like kind of a a, a phrase that you know the, the the woke people like these black people are just getting arrested for being black on a on a Friday night. It's like just taking that and put it in a different context and it instantly becomes kind of silly and and a ridiculous thing to say and pointed though too especially like sean wayne's delivery is pretty perfect the way that he drops the like which is a misdemeanor at the end that's the thing that really makes that joke work (laughs) is that there's like in this world there's actually uh laws that exist against (laughs) being black on a friday night like that's on your ticket (laughs) yeah it's a slap on the wrist it's just a misdemeanor but it is something you can get busted for um so I want to. I kind of want to go through this movie because, while it is like, it is like silly. I think it's mostly just like yeah, like you said at the beginning, like just skits tied together by. Basically, Sean or Ashtray is a, just a, a voyeur going through this community. Yep. Um, in this neighborhood. And then you know, but it has like these moments where it doesn't, really need the humor to. It like wants to say something, but it's not doing the message thing. 
like uh, Vivica A. Fox at the beginning. Yes. She's she's dropping off ashtray and it's a great line. And he's and he's like, I wish you would. Uh, I wish you could come with me. And she's like, Sorry, you know that you know strong black women aren't in any of these movies. <laughs> yeah. And she just peels off. And I think that's like such a, like that's setting the tone for like these movies are just shit. Like this movie is just saying like these movies don't have the things that you need in representation. I guess I want to say the movie tonally is so all over the place that yes. I can't quite it's to me it's not a good movie. No. And I think and I think part of that is structurally I'm not quite sure on where to focus like the me- the messaging. Um I don't know where Keenan is going. I don't know where his his mail is being delivered to because <laughs> it's like are you trying to say that these movies are you just trying to be funny? Are you just trying to have these characters be ridiculous and out of control? Because the movies constantly make fun of uh, Ashtray and Lok Dog and all these characters, but then also trying to provide sort of a, I don't know, um, a weight to them. And I guess it's just there's just not enough balance, and I don't know exactly which direction they wanted to go. Yeah, it wears you down. Like by the end of the movie, you're like, "All right, I'm I'm ready for this shit to be over. I'm I'm done." It's pretty um, short too. It is pretty short too. But but like I said, it's that lack of structure. It's just the like, just like blindly moving from one skit to the next. That just kind of it wears you down. And, and the first the- half of the movie though is like very, like it it follows a a very cohesive narrative. Yeah, and then it and just then- falls apart. I think the church scene is really where it's like, okay, why yes. are we spending four and a half minutes with the, like, I get it. Like I get the joke, but there's nothing else tying. Like, we're just like, okay, here's a scene of them in church. All right, let's go back to them walking around the neighborhood. Um, but the first half of the movie is like, all right, I get it. Sean is, you know, meeting all these people from his past, I guess it's his past. And he meets his dad, who's younger than him. <laughs> Which is also a, Which is... a bit that I absolutely love. <laughs> it's funny because it's funny he gets younger. Right. <laughs> he's at first like a couple years older than him. And he's, you know, his room's a mess. He's asking, he's like, I think he even mentions his mom is going to clean it up for him. Um, and then I think later on in the movie, because he disappears for like an hour, he comes back and he's, you know, asking Ashtray to read him a bedtime story. Which turns out to be uh, erotica, and, uh, yeah. and he's just masturbating while while Ashtray reads it. Just very, very tasteful, subtle, nuanced comedy. Honestly, I think so. I I was thinking. I'm trying not to think about like would this comedy work today, but I think that would be kind of like revolutionary. <laughs> like that would it would. It's not necessarily offensive, right? Um. Like, it's not offending a particular person. No, but it's just gross out, like, dick humor. It is dick humor, yeah. But it's, but it, it, like, in the context of a movie that has other sophisticated humor, that would be just, like, a perfect, like, like a gag. Oh, oh, Helen, Helen Martin is Loke Dog's grandma. Oh, yes, rest in peace. I'm sure she's dead. There's no way she couldn't be. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she died four years later. <laughs> Jesus, rest in peace. She was in See, Repo I can Man. I can be edgy, edgy too. Oh, she was in Repo Man with uh, Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. She was Mrs. Parks, which I'm sure was uh, Rosa Parks. Probably, yeah. Direct call out to Rosa Parks. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I'm not positive that I have too much more to say about this movie. I, I think there's still things about it that are hilarious, um, that are relevant. The movie itself is a mess um, from a structure perspective. Um, and some of the jokes obviously don't land for one reason or another. But, uh, you know, I still I still laughed a lot. And I've seen this movie, um, you know, probably six or seven times. And that that I think is is something impressive that you can say about it is that I was still laughing almost like it was the first time that I had seen it. Well, it is the, it is like the energy of it. It's like a very like 1930s, like screwball, like just joke, 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 joke. There's no rest whatsoever. None. And I think that that's kind of refreshing. There's no like, there, there's no pretense they're, They don't, they're not trying to make a sophisticated film. No. They're simply saying like, these are all these ideas that we have. We're just going to put them together and we're going to like not even feign um, creativity by just literally pulling a plot from another movie and saying, this is our plot. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of like, that's like the thing what brings you back to it and makes you want to keep watching it is the, the kind of just intensity of, of the humor, even if it's problematic and tasteless at, at times. Uh, there's just kind of like this energy and like I was saying, anger, like there's like, the the Rodney Ride thing was like, I was like, oh, these guys are kind of angry about these movies and angry about society and culture in general. Like the <laughs> when Sean says, uh, um, it's like people like us, we're an endangered species, and you know he kind of builds us up and then he says, he's like, the, all the rappers are taking all the good acting jobs, and it's <laughs> and it's like yeah. there's there's kind of like this bitterness and this anger towards the industry as a, as a whole which i've always loved their like their commentary on the industries that 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 they work within that's always been like some of the better parts of their comedy is when it's a commentary on on like hollywood yeah. um you know and not on any specific movie in general um yeah did you read that hollywood reporter um that that uh, oral oral history I read some of it. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't really watch In Living Color. It was a, it was a little bit before my time and just never yeah. got into it. So, you know, I read a little bit, but it wasn't super interesting, so I didn't finish it. There's, I, I get the vibe from Keenan that he was really putting it to television at the time because Fox was such a brand new yeah. studio. And, um, and I didn't know this, but they were primarily like black. Like, they were putting out all these black shows. And then I think after In Living Color, they were like, all right, never again. No black people. We're done. But he was he really felt like he wanted to say something, and he was getting, like, pushed out. And I think ever since then, even before then, like, there's just, like, this bitterness towards television and film in general. I mean, if you think about what Fox gave us in the, the late 80s, early 90s, it's kind of incredible. Simpsons and Living Color, I mean, that shit was cutting edge. Yeah. smart um, humor and the fact that it was on Fox, which now is just a complete wasteland is <laughs> kind of remarkable. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to talk about this now. The point is Cindy and I'm a new man and I'm ready to leave all this behind and start a new life. So you kill all your friends? Oh no, just you and maybe shorty, but that's wasn't planned or anything. But here's the genius part. We're copycatting a serial killer that already exists. <laughs> It's the perfect crime, Cindy. But wait! There's more! Hang on to your seat, baby! Cause this one's a screamer! 
I'll be back. So, so like I said earlier too, um, I felt like you couldn't talk about this movie without talking about Scary Movie, uh, because Scary Movie was, I think, for all intents and purposes, their their follow up to Don't Be a Menace. There was probably a couple films they did in between that and uh, and this. Most notably, um, God, what's the movie with Marlon Wayans where he plays basketball, but he has like a ghost friend or he's a ghost and he's helping his friend play basketball. It's called like Above the Rim or something like that. Uh, the Six Man? Yes, that's it. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a fucking stupid movie. So stupid, but I loved it when I was a kid. I think um, I've only seen it once. That's, yeah. Mm. Pretty bad. So anyway, so Scary Movie uh, came out when I was in high school, and it was huge. Scary Movie made a oh, yeah. huge splash, like massive. Um, and when I saw it, it was like probably the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And also, too, just the raunchiest, filthiest movie I think that I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was widely like every review was like this movie's very funny it's also incredibly raunchy and disgusting. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't take your kids to this thinking that it's going to be some fun, like, parody movie. Like, no, this this movie's fucking filthy. I think I was, like, seven or eight when this movie came out. Maybe six. So I wasn't watching this movie when it came out. But a few, a few years later, like, when Scary Movie 2 was coming out, and I, you know, like, I wanted to see this movie so bad. I was like... You know, I was, like, finding ways to watch it. I remember it was, like, on Comedy Central. And so it was, like, many, many years later that I watched the uncensored version. And I was like, oh. Oh, this is, like, a very, like, very edgy movie. So Scary Movie was was also to the the shitty parody movie that launched a thousand shitty parody movies. Um, That's the OG, like, new age parody movie. Yes. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Friedberg and something Seltzer. Um they wrote Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh Aaron Sorkin and um and Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. They wrote a scary movie. They did. Um anyways, those the, the two dudes who were involved with writing scary movie one were the ones who then went off to make like scary movie uh three through seven in addition to every other fucking epic movie, mm-hmm. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like like you can't even call it low hanging fruit. Like it's fruit that has already fallen to the ground and rotted and, uh, and just turned into nothing. Um, anyway, so, so I don't know. What did, what did you think about watching scary movie again? So I watched don't be a menace. And then I think the next day I watched scary movie and my, I don't know if it was just the day, but my reactions were, the complete opposite. I almost never laughed during the scary movie. Um, and I was like constantly put off by the homophobic stuff. Oh God. Mar- uh, Sean Wayne's character in this his, movie. Yeah. It's like, Oh, isn't it funny that he's black and gay? Oh man. Uh, isn't it crazy or... that he likes penises and buttholes? <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine? Um, I did enjoy the, the more completeness of a story. Yes. It is, it is literally just scream. Yes, um, it's with, with some other things sprinkled in. That's kind of what I, why I wanted to talk about it is because it seems like they at least learned a couple lessons from Don't Be a Menace where they were like, okay, this actually needs to have like a coherent story and narrative. And But it's still just, it's still literally just the same movie. 
Right. It's still the exact same, but they followed it a little bit more closely, which I think, yeah. uh, you know, probably is why it has a broader appeal. Um, in addition to the fact that it's spoofing all manner of movies, not just, you know, um, hood films. As you know, we it's established interesting. Earlier. It's, it's, it's interesting that like, um, don't be a menace is, you know, black led. And the scary movie is led by Anna Faris, who's great. I think she's this really, was, really good in this movie. She's great in this movie, and this was her. This was her launch pad. This was really what made her yeah. a star, and she, she, she does deliver a great performance here. I think the key difference too is that Keenan directs this movie. Yes, um, which might honestly lend to maybe a little more problems with his homophobia, or maybe it's just the, the Wayne's brothers in general. Just like you know, we're leaning into the. Uh, it's funny to be gay. Right. Um, but yeah, this movie just felt more complete and more solid. But at the same time, I think the humor was like just completely off for me. I don't know. Like I got the jokes and I understood the punchlines. And I've seen this movie a million times. So at one point I did think this was hilarious. And I loved this movie. And I thought, genius. Yeah. In, in a lot of respects, it is still a very like influential movie. But just watching it now was like kind of like really kind of i don't know just didn't hit at all it didn't even make me feel gross i just was just like uninterested yeah i would say i had mostly the same experience there were some things that i had forgotten about that that really made me laugh like i love <laughs> i love the scene in the locker room with the white guy where he finds the polaroid with his tiny dick and it just says i know <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like it's yeah. a condition he wouldn't make fun of a guy in a wheelchair like a disability <laughs> Yeah. But see that like that the reason I think that's so funny is because it's like it's it's um I think because I'm I feel like I can laugh at it because I'm a white guy. So it's like a joke about white guys having tiny dicks and it's like okay, that's funny to me. Um also too I just I thought that guy who I typically don't like that much. I don't even know his name, the actor. Uh I thought he was pretty funny in that role in general. Um uh, I don't know his name either, yeah. He's he's been in a ton of stuff, ton of stuff. Oh, too, and like like little quips, like uh, where they're all sitting around the fountain, and they're like, "Man, I wonder if they'll make a movie about this." <laughs> yeah, I bet they'll hire a bunch of late twenties, early thirty somethings to play us too. Um, they start laughing. Yeah. yeah, and they start laughing. Uh, oh, and also too, I think like an uh, amazing joke is in the beginning when you it's like going down the line of news reporters and then it gets to black TV and it's like white folks are dead and we're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, which That's is really good. Yeah. which is funny because it's a commentary on horror films and you know their their willingness to always kill off the black characters first. Um, you know, so like there was, there's a couple deeper level jokes that actually, um, that actually do kind of criticize or at least take into full consideration horror movie tropes. But a lot of them are just relying upon cheap sex jokes, yeah. uh, race jokes. It, a lot of, uh, beating up women. Yes. Which actually maybe that's what continues to put me off is Anna Ferris is just getting punched by, uh, his name's Lachlan Monroe by the way oh really uh, tiny dick guy yeah greg um but greg he just like beats the shit out of anna a couple times and it's like i it's funny that's the joke uh move on but i think scary movie might be the first that i can remember the first movie to really like in a serious way like talk about like black people being killed off in horror movies first 
Um, I'm, I'm sure that's a joke that has been going on for a long time. Like, that sounds like a Richard Pryor joke. But I do think that, yeah, there's, there's that commentary that I, I don't remember seeing before a scary movie that is now really commonplace. But it is. It's like it's it's hard for me to even know when that joke came around because it is such an old trope. I wouldn't be surprised if it sort of originated with Scary Movie. And it's not even like they call specific attention to it. It's it's just a well-crafted joke, because if you think about it for a little while, you're like, oh, that's why they're getting the fuck out of there, because you know, historically speaking or traditionally a black person would be the first to die in a, in a horror movie. Um, but, but I can't think of really any other jokes, uh, that go beneath the surface level, um, you know, of like, Oh my God, look, she's stuck to the ceiling with jizz. Um, you know, or, or just like stupid shit like that. And I was, I was kind of disappointed because I had pretty fond memories of this movie and it, uh, it did not hold up, and it's been probably since high school that I've sat down and watched it. Um, oh wow! Uh, so it's been a long time. But when I was in high school, I watched it a million fucking times. Probably pretty similar to yeah. you. Um, there are a couple other things that I found noteworthy, like just Shannon Elizabeth being in it, because um, she's such a terrible actress. But she was like such a staple of the '90s, you know, with like American Pie and. Um, and so the and there's also some other dated references. I can't remember which ones but um scary movie 2 i feel like was more of an offender of having jokes that were based way too much on present pop culture at the time that will absolutely mm. make no sense to anyone 10 years down the road oh like that uh i think it was that nike commercial the basketball yes. scene yeah yeah that's one of my favorite parts of that movie i know i actually love that part for some reason and i also yeah. love chris elliott in that movie um <laughs> <laughs> with a take my strong hand oh yeah <laughs> him and david cross yeah. yeah him and david cross yeah um and actually you know i i kind of like scary movie too um oh i really like scary movie too. i think well i haven't seen it in a while because when i before i watched scary movie i was like oh i really like scary movie so maybe it's the same thing but i do enjoy i thinking back i like scary movie too yeah, it had it it leaned into, you know, like haunted house horror tropes a little bit better. Um it was still of course just vile uh and despicable, yeah. but somehow I feel kind of less so. It wasn't as bad in my mind as scary movie. Um and maybe not as heavy on gay jokes and stuff, but I'm probably looking at it through rose-colored glasses. No, I think there's still that gay thing with Sean. Yeah. But there, but there's enough by the ghost too. other content that isn't so focused on like, hey, isn't isn't it funny that he's gay? Um, mm-hmm. That kind of maybe distracts from it, which isn't on offer in Scary Movie One because you're just constantly assaulted with jokes about him. Like, oh, he's he is literally raping his friend or sexually assaulting his friend by putting his finger in his asshole. Isn't that yeah. hilarious? <laughs> oh, and here's the best part: we're gonna put a little cork sound. Uh, so that when he pulls his finger out of his butthole, it'll sound like a cork being popped from a champagne bottle. <laughs> you know what I forgot? There's some fart jokes. Just some, like, not even fart jokes, just uh, people farting. Uh, I think Anna, <laughs> Anna Ferris just farts at one point. She goes, oh, excuse me. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she like does. a really loud fart. Um, yeah, the humor, it's hard to talk about humor, especially in 2000. Like, that's such a time capsule of just 
like the zeitgeist like we were all horrible people <laughs> and we all thought horrible things about uh people with disabilities and you know gay people and and fat women we had just like this like really horrible sense of what was right i don't know well Our morality we, we, was off we we were operating under the idea that you know nothing was off limits anything can be can be made fun of but what that ended up being is like you didn't get thoughtful critiques of let's say you know overweight women it was just mean like yeah. there was there was no commentary on how like oh maybe our 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 culture of obsessive beauty and etc might work in an opposite fashion on certain women and therefore they be you know like there was no there's no attempt to understand where right. anyone else's perspectives were or, or where they lied um and instead it was just like hey isn't it funny to see a fat woman break a chair because she's so fat like i'm yeah. thinking of shallow hell right now which is another oh, right yeah yeah you know piece of 90s trash uh maybe early 2000s trash early, from the fairly yeah. brothers uh one of whom is now an oscar winner i, I might add isn't that um, for green book right yeah for green book <laughs> yeah so this movie unlike don't be a menace you can't really view it in the lens you can't have the thoughtful criticism you might have with don't be a menace like there is some stuff but overall, it is kind of just, it felt like the Waynes brothers were just like, what's funny to us? Yeah. And they, they were going, they had like, all right, we have this plot, which is just a scary movie. Let's work through each kind of um, beat and see how we can insert jokes and what would be funny there. Yes. Um, which is, you know, like the writing is, I don't want to say smart, but it's well-crafted. The setups and the punchlines, like at the time, hit. They, they like really work. Looking back, not so much, but you know, I don't think this movie lends to like criticism of like the the scary movie trope. Um, I guess black cinema or just black people in general, or even yeah, I don't know. There's no LGBTQ reading of this. You can't say like, oh well, actually, Sean is um, uh, internalized homophobia, and he's representing how black men often harm themselves more who are actually secretly in the closet. And there's none of that. There's no extension of, like, have the homophobic joke and then have a little more extension and, and kind of have that opportunity to critique it. The jokes, the ideas for the jokes might have, as you just pointed out with, you know, for example, black homophobia, might have a very, very interesting origin or root, but it's never explored. Like, yeah. never, ever, ever explored or commented on. It's purely for the for the value of pointing and laughing um so it is because like the the football scene or the the football pad scene with brenda who regina hall is just great i yeah. love regina hall in this movie and i this might be her launching thing too i think it was yeah she's hilarious in this movie too but you know her and sean they are about the you know they're, they're getting a little intimate in the bedroom and they're role playing and sean wants him or her to put football pads on and it's progressively builds to you know she's completely dressed up as a man and you know i think he's like he's like yeah brandon take me brandon yeah and the the joke is literally just is it wouldn't it be funny if a masculine guy wanted to have sex with a man right and, 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 and made his on. made his un, unwitting girlfriend act like a man and yeah, put on like football a pads yeah yeah so 
yeah, we've just said it over and over again. The, the humor kind of falls flat because it doesn't leave that space for like, oh, interesting. No like, room can, for nuance. Yeah, you can extrapolate. You can really, you know, stretch it out and say, oh, yeah, this movie is actually this. But really, the movie doesn't want you to think that. It wants you to just laugh at a character being gay or or overweight or um, a woman. Cause, or, look, they got hit. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Like, that, that's, stuff, that stuff really was like, oh, man. Even yeah. in 2000, that can't be, like, that probably was criticized, too. Slapstick was, was not fresh even in 2000. <laughs> no. Um. And then and then nine eleven happened and we all changed for the worse and the world got darker and scary movie caused nine eleven I'm pretty so sure I think scary movie I think Osama might have seen scary movie and and said this is it we can't they can't they can't keep getting away with this <laughs> <laughs> anyways so that's our our roundup of um I guess probably what most people would consider to be the two classic films in the Wayans Brothers filmography because pretty much all of the rest of it is complete trash. White Chicks, uh, White Chicks is probably the third. Not maybe for the, the quality, but for the legacy. People might remember White Chicks a little bit more <laughs> than they remember, say, Little Man. Or I'm trying to oh, even think sure. of like some of the other movies that they did, but they were all bad. There's all Norbit, bad. which is the... Um, Oh, Which yeah. is the, the Eddie Murphy spoof. Yes. What's the Norbert, I think, is the Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy one? I think Eddie it's Murphy. Norbit. I think you're right. No, Norbit is the the Marlon Wayne's one. Norbert is the Eddie Murphy one. Oh, okay. I see. That's a little little too or, deep of a cut. Maybe not. So Norbit, yes. Norbit no, Norbit is, is the Eddie Eddie Murphy one, where he plays like the the fat, um, sexually voracious woman, as well as playing the uh, nebbish, nerdy. Yeah, he, yeah. he pulls a he pulls a, a Big Mama's house. Yes. God, what what was it about about black comics? Thinking it was just so hilarious to dress up as a fat woman. Oh, you know what? Marlon Wayans is in Norbit. He's, it's not a spoof. That oh. is just a movie. It's just a dumb movie on its own. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up now. His presence. It's just a bad movie. It makes it even stupider and more confusing. We yeah. Well, our next episode will be Big Mama's House, for sure. Oh, yeah. I I, I, <laughs> I got a lot to Have say you, about that. Did you ever watch 30 Rock? Uh, not, not that much, no. Oh, I love there was a little um, spoof with um uh tracy uh tracy morgan yeah with tracy jordan as he is on the show where he, oh, he like right. has a yeah. movie called like honky grandma and the <laughs> and the, the punchline is like because this honky grandma be tripping <laughs> and he like turns the camera and says it uh, 30 rock i gotta say had some amazing humor obviously some very problematic stuff as recent uh, news reports. I guess there was blackface. I don't remember there being blackface in it, um, but apparently there okay. was. Anyway, we're getting hot, off. I have a hot, I have a hot take. Okay. Blackface? Who cares? Okay. I think, I think the the outrage for blackface is um. You know, like yeah, it's bad. I'm not saying it's not bad, but there's like this sense that, like when Jimmy Fallon was outed as doing blackface. 
I, yeah. I don't know. I, I think like you, you I gotta look at that in a vacuum and just like be like, dude, that's fucked up, but move on. Like, no one's doing blackface now, and if they are, it won't. We'll call them out on it. Yeah, I, I mean know. the 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 going the digging through the past to punish people um, retroactively for things they did. I don't I don't know that I see a lot of value in it. Um, you know, unless it somehow informs their behavior still today. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's just a fact. Blackface was done. A lot of times, it was done with with uh, you know extremely racist intentions. It was made you know um, uh, bamboozled. You know, like it it was specifically made to be derogatory towards African Americans. Other times, I I I don't know that it has that kind of loaded racist intention, and it's usually just an extremely extremely misguided attempt um at being funny yeah there's a difference between minstrel blackface and yes blackface that was done from like the 70s on yes it's like the humor's bad and it doesn't work and it's offensive it's racist but yeah it's there's a different connotation minstrels were you know portraying black people intentionally as you know like the the um the jim crow blackface or anything like that yeah, like literally they took place in the watermelon patch. Like a lot of yeah. these really, really nasty, longstanding stereotypes um, that are still around today came from those minstrel shows. Yeah. And I think blackface now is more of like kind of like Norbit. Like the humor lies in um, a man, you know, portraying as a woman, which right. isn't funny. And, and you, know, you know, Tyler Perry uh, is still carrying that torch to this very day. Hey, Tyler Perry's doing good things, okay? Tyler Perry's good for the community, but he makes god-awful fucking movies. <laughs> Not a filmmaker, no. <laughs> no. All right, well, I think we should wrap this up. Um, any any Scar- last thoughts on either Don't Be a Menace, Scary Movie, or I guess the Waynes Brothers' career as a whole? Um, Marlon Waynes has a is trying to do stuff on Netflix and Fox. I think he's also on Fox. Oh fuck. I actually watched, um, his most recent movie on Netflix where he plays like seven or eight different characters. (laughs) Um, like, Oh, it's the sex tuplets or whatever where he plays. Like, um, it was, it was so bad. I like, it was, it was just overwhelmingly bad. I couldn't believe it, but yet I also couldn't stop watching it because it was so bad. I didn't enjoy it. I endured it, but for some reason I was compelled to do so. Uh, he came. He did um, a haunted house a while ago. Oh fuck yeah, that's right. And he did. Um, he did some kind of riff on uh, Fifty Shades of Grey too, I think, which is just all all fart jokes and sex jokes. And I I think it's I think he hasn't grown at all, and is just as tasteless now as he was back then. Yeah, I agree. There's not really much hope for. Marlon Wayans, he's not going to take a Adam Sandler type turn and be a... No, I mean, he had his chance. Like I said, he's great in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Um, but, uh, nah, I think I think the Wayans brand is is dead. I don't, I don't see it ever coming back in a real way. Yeah. Mostly because the comedy is not aged well and they don't seem to want to, like, grow up or change or adapt. No, and that's, I think... You know, they might be one of those those people that are uh, like, oh, we can't say anything in comedy anymore. Like, we're, right. we have no space. We, you know, we have to deal with lawyers if we want to make a joke. 
fuck, people fuck who that. complain about that shit are lazy <laughs> and they just don't want to to think or be accountable or potentially change their approach because it's hard because that requires work yeah i think you know i think any joke is inherently gonna like someone's not gonna like it because yeah you are you have to make fun of somebody hopefully it's yourself that's kind of the beauty of a, a good joke is it's a targeted at you but yep self-deprecating humor is always a winner yeah but you know people who view the who view comedy as dead because people get mad is just you know that's yeah lazy yeah all right josh well um i very much enjoyed speaking with you today about the wayne's brothers um that was great and we'll be we'll be in touch okay don't don't call us we'll call you i don't have your number this is from a from an unknown number this phone call unknown number. okay okay bye, bye. Hun-